This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Jeff Turner. Jeff's the president and CEO of the Gulf South Quality Network, also known as the Marcus GSQN. Jeff's going to tell us about priorities, challenges, how competition is evolving, what GSQN does, and a little bit more. Jeff, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us about the Gulf South Quality Network? Sure. Thank, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate talking with you today. Uh, first of all, I've got a little over 30 years in managed healthcare, most of it actually in the Chicago market. Most of my time I've been on the payer side of the industry with the last six years here in Louisiana with GSQN. I actually evolved or more from the finance department to network development in various HMOs and PPOs, both local and nationally, ultimately moving into the MSO and TPA management space. Prior to coming down to GSQN, I headed up the Med 3000 McKesson MSO operation in Chicago that was involved in managing delegated contracts for commercial Medicare and Medicaid. GSQN actually has kind of a – go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Well, well, let me ask you a question. As a Chicagoan that's moved to Louisiana, how long does it take someone to learn to pronounce golf as opposed to golf like I pronounced it? How long does it take somebody to get it right? Um, probably about three years. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the use of the term y'all takes about six. Gotcha. And the term golf versus golf, as you, I, I get, hear you sort of cringe at my pronunciation, it, but thank you. Anyways. Tell us more about the Golf South Quality Network. Tell us more about what you guys do. Sure. It's, it's a really interesting story. The, the organization started almost 15 years ago, and it really started as a simple discussion between the medical staff and the hospital at East Jefferson General Hospital here in Metairie, Louisiana, which is suburban New Orleans. Although there was a lot of, I would call it market-driven impetus to align, the physicians that were really involved in the establishment, they settled in a lot more on a clinical efficiency focus versus something more of a traditional contracting PHO look like we would see in Chicago, as an example. The, the network wound up catching the attention of some of the payers here in the state, and GSQN actually wound up building some of the initial clinical pilot programs used by some of the payers here. And some of these examples are things like developing best, best practice methodologies for blood pressure control for hypertensives, these pilots then were essentially pollinated in different markets across the state. And then after some evolution and some of the changes in the provider network dynamics here, the network ultimately pivoted into a pod type network, which is really a present state where we're at, anchored by two different pods, one here in the New Orleans area, anchored by East Jefferson General Hospital, which is now part of the LCMC Health family. And our other pod is out in Lake Charles by the Texas border. That's Lake Charles Memorial Health System. Just in terms of reference, the network today includes about 700 physicians. We've got 40,000 lives-ish covered in value-based commercial and managed care contracts. So fantastic and fascinating. And, and the area you're in is a very competitive market with Oshner being very strong, a, a great system, some other great systems. And, and how important is, it, is this quality network to allowing the hospital and the physicians of East Jefferson and Lake Charles to, to play on an even field, to have a chance to compete well and, and, and do a great job in the value-based world? How important is the network to all that? 
We think it's critically important. I mean, we've seen an ability much like um, I saw back when I was with McKesson, where sometimes it's difficult to add additional resources on an existing structure. You know, we exist outside of those hospital walls and outside those clinic walls, and it allows us to become very laser-like focused in both what we do in terms of optimizing the clinical uh, requirements for the various pair relationships, but it also allows us to take a burden off of the practices. And as we'll probably discuss later, you know, we serve as a data hub for those institutions as well. So we're able to see things or have a frankly different line of sight or more comprehensive line of sight that I would view as a competitive advantage. And, and, and talk about this year, what are you most focused on this year? Where, where do you have most of your efforts and focus this year? Well, we have a couple areas. I think um, one area of focus is we've been leveraging our analytic capability and transitioning to more direct employer engagement. I mean, we're finding that creating employer-level benchmarks, performance reporting, and being able to engage employers with their own unique patient data has really hit a, hit a chord. I mean, we now have several, several direct-to-employer contracts with a handful more starting at the beginning of the year. Working with the benefit consultants and employers, we've really been trying to come up with a more merged view of value and care. You know, it's common for, uh, it's common to really tackle cost at a benefit plan design level, which is certainly understandable. But our lens is more on a predictable care delivery, correct utilization, good value, cost, and of course, patient outcome. An employee that has a dozen ED visits is unlikely to be influenced by a, a change in deductible. Whereas when we look at that from a care delivery issue, we can deploy the correct resources. This is a care gap, and we can address that accordingly. And these employers are rewarding that work by, by steering, changing their benefit plans to steer to us. And what we view as a real, I mean, it's a clear win-win. And I think, you know, secondarily to that, you know, we're also trying to leverage our data to help our hospitals and clinics on their path to greater digital engagement with their patients. You know, like, most networks were gathering data seemingly from, from every source and a depth of scale from SDOH to unstructured clinical data. And these are opportunities for us to kind of automate programs and inject other sentinels like remote patient monitoring. Being a repository, as I alluded to earlier, of clinical and claim data allows us to provide supplemental tools to our hospitals and clinics so they can take a much broader look, look rather, as, as they're evolving their digital patient experience. And, and let me ask you one more question, Jeff. You've been in healthcare for 30 plus years. Well, I'll ask you two questions, really. You know, I've been to Louisiana this time of year. I'm there in August often. Just give people in Chicago and the rest of the world a sense of the heat and humidity this time of year in the New Orleans area. Uh, now that I've lived here for six years, I just tell people to add 10, which is whatever you think the whatever the ambient ambient temperature is, say 90 degrees like it is right now, just add 10 degrees to it, and that's how it feels. That sounds exactly right. Talk about what surprises you. And I love New Orleans. I love Tulane, where I have a son, and I love the whole area. We've got cousins in Alexandria, so I spent a ton of time in Louisiana over the course of my life. But talk to us for a moment about about um, what has surprised you in healthcare. Top of mind is the payer provider data sharing and transparency. Um, honestly, Scott, I thought we, we'd be a little further along by now. You know, the, the providers for a long time have agreed on how to submit their claims in a uniform manner, 
provide supplemental or observation or unstructured data for such things as heat is. But the payer side, you have a redaction process and variability in what is redacted creates a lot of undiscussed burden on the providers. You know, we've been fortunate that our technology vendor, which is Optum, provides data sets that allows us to fill in some of those blanks. But I mean, it's, it's a real effort to track all these things from provider enrollment and contracting and, and these output files and ingestion and all the rest of this. It's, it's very difficult for us to do what we do in this current state of value-based care. And, and adding to that, the EMR connectivity with our clinics continues to be a challenge. You know, this isn't just the cost of, of doing these connections. It's how providers use these EMRs differently create challenges for us in the data normalization process. How do we make sure that we are getting the real value from the spend from these connections and do it in a way that we can actually get something out of this that, that goes dot, dot, dot back to that, to that ROI expectation that the board has that we, you know, at the network level. I mean, it really is amazing how the, the variety of how payers give data back to providers from very good and useful to almost purposely making it impossible to calculate on the provider side, almost as though you're fighting a war. I mean, that variance in data transparency from payers to providers is really shocking at times. And the providers have had to get on board because they got to get paid. The payers don't necessarily have to get on board. And so it still is incredibly difficult, isn't it? It is, and and I think as as I said earlier, I think it's a it's a it's a place where we haven't discussed this enough. You know, we we have eight different payer feeds coming in on paid claims. We have three different PBM payer feeds coming in every month. They all have different cycles based on attribution. They all have different uh, methodologies for masking or data redaction, and and it's certainly not missed that with my payer hat on, you know, there's a, there's a need to not expose contracted rates and things of that nature. But honestly, Scott, I think it's the, the variability of it that, that, that really drives the burden. You know, we're, we're, we have a good prevalence of, of, of diagnosis codes and even procedure codes, but there's masking of provider names and things of that nature that just makes our job more difficult. Completely. Jeff, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. What a pleasure to visit with you, and, and thank you for what you do at Gulf South Quality Network. Just a pleasure to hear your thoughts and what you're seeing. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, and please look me up when you come back in town.